everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 327. It's Mario Kart Super Circuit. As you know, you can play along with the show, as some of you like to do, and even if you don't play along with every game that we do, because you might not have you know, that range of tastes or machines to play on, but some of them uh, might be fun. Braid, for instance, that's our next game. After that, we're going to cover Secret of Mana, the Seiken Densets 2 on the Super Nintendo. Following that, we continue our Resident Evil series with the prequel, Zero. After that, we will cover the classic Sega coin-op, Daytona USA. And then after that, we continue another series, which is our run through the numbered main series, Final Fantasy games, but not the MMOs. Final Fantasy V is the next one on that list. Canerince.com is the place to go for everything that we do, including the schedule up to the end of the year. You can get the show, every show, a week earlier than non-subscribers for just $1. Currently around 75p or thereabouts per month. And as well as that, you get a, an exclusive monthly mini-podcast, which is a lot of fun. The last one was uh, about an hour long. And probably, I think, the best incentive right now is we have the first of our format specials console uh, covered in its entirety uh, from the beginning of its life to the end, some of the games, the technical side, and all that good stuff. Uh, we have our Genesis Mega Drive show out now with me, Dan Clark, and John Linneman of Digital Foundry Retro. Uh, that is available for Patreon subscribers a full three months ahead of it going free. So it is free for everyone, for those of you who can't play a dollar or don't want to. But uh, if you do want to hear that, and I recommend it, it's uh, over two and a half hours of uh, excellent conversation about the Mega Drive. You just need to head over to patreon.com slash and chip in a dollar a month to contribute to everything that we do. Our other podcast comes out on a Wednesday. It's about video games music mainly, but we also chat about the games themselves that we cover and other matters. Sound of play, that is. And subscribe, review and rate to this podcast and that one if you can. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And we thank you for doing all that lovely stuff to support us. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 327 are Darren Gargett. Hello. And Mikhail Crowder. Bingo. Bingo, indeed. That takes me back to somebody talking on... Was it... We had some correspondence about Peach's uh, irritating nature yeah. on a previous... That's uh, right, Maricot yeah. 64. Was that on 64? Bingo, bye-bye. Yeah, that's the first time she spoke, right? Yeah, in, in yeah, good point. Fashion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, but this bingo could be from uh, uh, a number of characters because I find that this one, and we'll speak about that later, uh, a lot of character voices sound eerily similar to each other. Hmm. I think all the voice actors are credited. Really? Yeah, maybe they reuse some of the sounds and pitch them up and down. Yeah. So perhaps the first thing other than that of real note about this Mario Kart is it wasn't developed in-house by Nintendo. Not exactly. Uh, obviously, there was help, there was assistance, but the team still listed as technically an independent company. Now, I don't know the full background behind this because they do pretty much all of their work for Nintendo. Yeah. I think they're partly owned by Nintendo or closely affiliated to Nintendo intelligent Very, systems. Yeah, they're, they're pretty... They're what you would call maybe a second party? Yeah. Uh, 
but well, it's but an interesting relationship. I think intelligent systems is actually sort of a descendant from uh, Nintendo's R and D one uh, department. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. There's a lot of sta- staff uh, hmm. cross pollination there, at least. It would make sense because they did like the, uh, the. I don't know if they still do, but they used to do all the dev kits, the Nitro, and I can't remember the other names. But I said this before on another podcast we did. Um, the Wii dev kit had Intelligent Systems logo on it, and the GBA that's one right. when I used to uh, do QA testing for GBA games, Intelligent mm. Systems logo was all over it. So mm. they're probably, I don't know, yeah, they must be like really close friends. Like they're kind of like engaged, you know. They're not quite married yet, but there's always the chance they could run <laughs> off of you know for someone else. But they've been making games for Nintendo since 1984. They started off with the tennis game. They also made the soccer and the baseball for that system, and the golf, uh, golf for the Game Boy, I should say, baseball as well. Um, probably most famous for the Advance Wars or Famicom Wars series, as it was, and Fire Emblem. They've made all of the games in that series, I think, almost without exception. Uh, they've made the Paper Mario games. Um, the WarioWare games. WarioWare, of course. Uh, Codename Steam was was a, a rare example of them trying something different in recent mm, uh, recent yeah. years. Uh, Pushmo or the, the Four Blocks games as well. Oh, I love uh, those. Generally, they're a, a, a team. Oh, and of course, Panel Dupont and all the various uh, games, the Tetris Attack and Puzzle League, and all the all the various versions that came out of that. I always associate Intelligent Systems with incredible, cons- incredibly consistent, high quality, uh, and whatever genre they turn their hand to. But having said that, as far as I can work out, now com- correct me if I'm wrong. This is their one. And only their first, last, and only attempt at a racing game of any sort. Hmm. That sounds about right. I yeah. don't think they've uh, dabbled with it before or after. How think, weird, though. I think you're right, yeah. I mean, I know, obviously, they had the foundations of the previous two games to build upon, and they very much do that, as we'll discuss. But to, to take on a genre that you've never touched before and never touch it again, despite the reviews that this got, it seems almost almost crazy but uh i've got a feeling like this is all me making this up but mm. when this game was first announced i'm sure it was revealed as mario kart advanced and it was just a port it was yep. like yeah snes port much like f-zero i think oh i don't even know yeah that is that a, a snes port i can't remember slight the, slight remixes i think yeah uh, so it was a similar vibe and it wouldn't surprise me you know that the guys who made the dev kits were uh, you know tasked with the um the mission of creating the snes game on the gba and yeah. then from there they had the groundwork down successful port let's make it a bit better and as with uh, the legend of zelda Link's awakening on the game boy that was also meant to be a a straight port wasn't it of uh link to the past and in the end they that's right yeah. they ended up doing this uh you know these night working sessions to make this entirely new game it may be a similar story uh it's interesting uh obviously the the game boy advance had tech that was more more closely aligned to the Super Nintendo than 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 the N sixty four, so it did make sense that it was getting some of these uh, sort of sixteen bit style games at the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because usually uh, racing games are made by dedicated developers with uh, exactly, some experience yeah. or will, who will at least continue to make racing games. Uh, but yeah, I guess they just. Uh, they must have approached this from uh, a coding perspective, like uh, yeah. edit, basing it on uh, pre-existing code and uh, working from there. Yeah, for sure. So the twin directors are Takeshi Ando and Yukio Morimoto, who are both uh, 
this was actually Morimoto's uh, first game, but uh, he's gone on to work on uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, Game of Wario, and Paper Mario Color Splash. Uh, whereas uh, Paper Mario was Takeshi Ando's first game. This was his second, uh, but then he went on to work on the first WarioWare, which we covered some time ago, and the second and third WarioWares, also now working on uh, Paper Mario games. So they've, you know, they've stuck with the intelligent system stuff. They didn't move over to work on subsequent Mario Kart games or anything like that. So this was very much a one and done. As you said, Darren, uh, first announced in a press release by Nintendo on August the 9th, 2000, uh, this was pre the days of Nintendo Directs or slowly drip feeding teasers through social media. It was just like, we'll send out an email today which says we're going to release a Mario Kart game on uh, on our handheld system, on our, well, on our forthcoming handheld system, I suppose, at the time. Uh, Darren, you earlier you sent me a couple of blurry old photographs from the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, I went to ECTS in London with my friends Aaron and Ricky and we had hands-on with the GBA in its kind of early versions. It's kind of translucent with orange buttons. And yeah, the, 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 I didn't know if I was allowed cameras in there or not. So I took pictures as quick as I could and mm. hid my camera. So that's why they were all super blurry. But yeah, I did play this this Mario Kart Advanced, you know, in this early stage. And um, yeah, I was very much excited. Hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was initially known as uh, Mario Kart Advance, as you'd expect. And that was indeed its Japanese name. But uh, it actually came out in japan in july uh, 2001 um early nintendo power screenshots showed that characters uh, the characters had different super deformed sprites of bigger heads contrasted by smaller carts in the in the earlier versions and the game was planned to feature all 14 of the mario kart 64 items but the banana bunch golden mushroom and fake item box were removed for unknown reasons uh, could be cartridge space could be gameplay balance uh, the, they are still accessible we'll touch on that later as I say, the game launched in July 2001, August in America and uh, September in the EU. Obviously, in this case, we're not getting an inferior version because it was running on the handheld uh, system, the GBA. It also came to the 3DS Ambassador program. Uh, that was in 2011, in December, when they released, was it 20 games or something? It was nice, a nice bunch of, of GBA yeah. games for DS. Yeah. 10, like 10 GBA and 10 NES. Yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah. uh, that's that's my copy of the game. That's how I played it. Me yeah. too. Okay. Uh, multiplayer not possible there because link cables don't work, right? Yeah. And they they didn't code in the Wi-Fi or anything yeah. like that, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly. Also the same with the Wii U virtual console version, uh, which is how I have it now. Multiplayer not possible. Um, I think it, it doesn't really make a big deal of that when you go to buy it. I mean, it, it's sort of obvious if you know, but I think I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if some people caught were full, you know, fell foul of thinking, oh, a cute old Mario Kart. I remember having fun with that. I'll buy that. And then you can only play it single player. Um, that came out in 2014 in the US, uh, November, April 2015 in EU and Australia and July 2015 in Japan. So uh, if you want to play it multiplayer, you need to get an actual card and uh, an old system. You need actual Game Boy Advances or yeah. a but, Game Boy Player on GameCube. But I'm not sure if you can play multiplayer on that one. I think you can. I think it's got. Uh, I believe it's got a hole in the front for a, a link cable. You'd need one. Basically, it would treat it as one GBA. You'd still need other GBAs. Do you see what I mean? Right. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The game came out to 
solidly excellent reviews. 39 outlets reviewed it. According to Game Rankings, this is. Uh, may have missed one or two, but 91.5% on average. That's not too shabby. Looking at the user reviews today, uh, perhaps it's not the highest rated by fans. Nintendo Life's punters give it 7.3 out of 10 and Moby Games have it at 3.9 out of 5. So just under 8 out of 10. Uh, the game sold the best part of 6 million copies as of March 2009, uh, making it the fourth best-selling Game Boy Advance game and the best-selling non-Pokemon Game Boy Advance game. So that's not too bad either. Uh, before we talk about our histories, here's K-Sub-Zero from the forum who says, I probably belong to a very small statistical minority in that Mario Kart Super Circuit was my very first introduction to the Mario Kart series when it came out. Looking back on it, it doesn't particularly stand out in any way, and it's one of the rare games I haven't felt compelled to revisit since. Still, the driving is fun, the tracks are varied, and the sound effects are charming. I also remember the 150cc Special Cup being extremely challenging. All in all, it doesn't reinvent the wheels, but it is a perfectly valid adaptation of the 2D Super Mario Kart formula on a handheld device. Uh, so, Mikhail, you th th had you played this before you got this Ambassador program no, version? never. My first... Uh, I was never uh, a handheld gamer. My first handheld yeah. system was a Nintendo DS Lite yeah. given to me by an employer as a Christmas uh, present. Nice. And from there on out, I started dabbling a little bit with the GBA uh, catalog as well, speaking yeah. up some games here and there. Mm. But yeah, I mean, Mario, Mario Kart Super Circuit was part of the Ambassador program. Uh, that's how I got my hands on it, I guess you could say in a, you could. sort of a metaphorical way. Yes, and it plays, <laughs> plays looks and controls very nicely on there, but you obviously, you are lacking the, you know, the multiplayer but then maybe lots of people who had this in the first place wouldn't have played the multiplayer i mean that's the yeah, interesting thing about it i imagine so yeah a lot of a lot of link cable uh, multiple system uh malarkey of course even though i think that you only need one cartridge of the game so that's accommodating at least yeah you get a very stripped down version though with one yeah. cart yeah darren so you went to you played this before it came out um and then having played it at ECTS, uh, did that make it a, a day one purchase for you as an existing Mario Kart fan, as we've heard in previous podcasts? I mean, it was called Mario Kart, so it was always going to be a day one purchase, to be honest. Um, especially after the N64 game kind of initially disappointed me with its kind of single player content. I was much more interested in basically Super Mario Kart 2, which is what this seemed to be. Yes. So yeah, you know, I played this game before it was cool and that makes me a Mario Kart hipster. But yeah, I, I was there day one and I it didn't stop my um my enthusiasm for it as I played it through, you know, as you would, you know, all the ranks and all the bits and the bobs and then multiplayer. I had quite a consistent crew as I, uh, the, the aforementioned Aaron right. and Ricky. And then another guy who went on to work for Konami's B-Mani group called Matthew Sexton. He was, mm. um, he, so we used to go to Milton Keynes and we used to play um, B-Mani on all the consoles and he taught me how to play backwards with invisible arrows, you know, all the cool stuff. Yeah. And then um, on, on our, uh, on our downtime, when we let the people, other people play the machines, we got our GBAs out and played Bomberman on the Game Boy Advance, Mario Sweet. Kart, nice. and uh, oh, some other Game Boy Advance games that are kind of eluding me now, multiplayer-wise, mm. but... Um, yeah, and no, the Mario Kart battle was definitely out there. Ah, the battle the most well, you'll have to educate Mikhail and I about this. In a way, this isn't an ideal show or panel. We really wanted to cover all the Mario Kart games over a, a long period of time. And uh, we are the folks who were able to, uh, you know, fulfill this, this show. But actually, uh, listeners, I mean, obviously, 
not tons of listeners have actually got in touch about this one but if there is anyone out there who and there will be people who absolutely adore this game perhaps it's their favorite mario kart and they played a ton of multiplayer uh between us we've only got one person who has so uh, it's just the way it goes sometimes but hopefully you'll still enjoy the show uh, in some ways um Darren, you mentioned Konami there. I suppose, uh, just as a side note, we should mention the fact that Konami kind of beat Nintendo to market with a mm. kart racer on GBA, didn't they? With Konami Crazy Racers. Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah. It's really fun. It's good. It's a good game. It has a similar vibes to uh, Street Racer for me on the, uh, you know, that kind of, it, it looks and smells like Mario Kart, but it's not. So, But, you know, um, yeah, a good one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, did, I did enjoy it. I mean, any game you can play as Goman, I'm pretty I was much going to say, it's got some Konami sort of all-star characters in, hasn't it? Yeah, or sort of a B-list almost of characters. Instead right. of Instead of any of the Belmonts or Alucard, you got Dracula as one of the characters. You got you got a you have a uh, a stonehead an Easter Island stonehead a Moai as well uh, which looks glorious it's just a stone head on a cart uh, driving around amazing yeah can't believe I've never played this one I remember it being reviewed but I remember thinking I'm gonna wait well I didn't have a GBA at the time and then when I did get one Mario Kart was already out so I was like uh, do I want this there was also Penny Racers as well which is a multi format game that also came to GBA was that one not not so good or was it all right. I, I mean, after the 64 game, we kind of wrote it off as rubbish. So we never tried it just basically because uh, we were prejudiced. Sorry about that. Fair enough. <laughs> Pre- prejudiced. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, those, pe- uh, those people exist. Yeah, they do. Penny and, races, prejudiced. We yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you got it again on the Ambassador program. And that was the version you were playing when you uh, logged in to the recording room earlier today. And um, and rather excellently, I got to hear some uh, some vintage Mario Kart swearing. Well, what happened was I logged into Skype and I was playing and I sat there for a bit and I went, we don't do Skype anymore. Let's do oh, Discord. So I just pressed the button to Discord. And yeah, I just happened to be swearing at Peach as um, <laughs> yes. she was cheating her way around 150 cc special cup. I think, were you, were I think you I very heard, vile? He's been Like worse. the crocodile from Banjo-Kazooie. I was Mr. Vile. <laughs> I've heard worse. But there was a certain amount of, oh, of course, it's given me a star when, you know, all this. Uh, it, it, well, we'll talk about item frequency, but the stars, stars are quite common, aren't they? Yeah, so I didn't get, I wasn't that much into handheld gaming, although I did get my first Game Boy with the Pocket in 1996. Um, that was, yeah, my first and only handheld for quite a while. Then I did, the thing is, this is actually relevant to talking about this game as well. The first model of the Game Boy Advance was pretty much useless. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, don't. I hate to say it, but I, I played on my friends, and I've also played. Well, I, I waited for the SP, which the front lit SP. So the front front lit front lit version is not the best. You can. They later released quietly released a backlit version. That's that or the micro is the best way to play GBA games and be able to see them. The front lit version kind of gives things a slightly washed out look because there's literally a little light bulb in front of the screen underneath that's kind of illuminating the screen. But the crucial difference over that against the original uh, sort of pale purplish Game Boy Advances, you can see something. I mean, I'm not going crazy here, am I? It was almost no, impossible. No, no. You, you had yeah. to have I, almost... I, I remember on a, playing on a French GBA, the first Castlevania game that came out uh, on it, and I could hardly make it make out what I was supposed to be looking at. Uh... Yeah, I remember buying mine from WH Smith, the console um, from the, you know, that newspaper place. 
that don't really sell anything anymore other than newspapers and chocolate. Um, yeah, so I got mine from there, and it came out in June, right? It was, it was a it was a summer's day. I remember the the Game Boy Advance coming out on, September, and I sat in yeah September. I, I thought it was I thought it was June. Perhaps we had an Indian summer. Hmm. Well, anyway, I, might, um, yeah. I might be wrong, but no, it was hmm. August in the US and September here apparently. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm completely wrong then. But yeah, um, I just remember it being a very bright day, and I was sat in the. I used to live in a pub or above a pub, and I remember just sitting in the pub window in the early morning, thinking I can't see anything, so I just shut myself further indoors so I could play Super Mario um, Brothers Two yeah, or Advance. I'm, yeah, uh, my friend Pete had uh, an original GBA, and we used to, you know, we did used to make it work. You could get a little uh, clip-on pen light or something and sit with it behind you and this kind of thing but you you had to have absolutely perfect conditions and you had to not move uh, mm. so i remember at the time people were sending off their gbas to get a frontlight mod yes i can't remember who it was from but maybe lick sang maybe i can't really remember right. but people were sending them off for you know a long time and getting them back with a frontlight mm. um, i was not ready to do that yeah but well you know you it was i mean talk about the the first release of the the original ds which which was ugly and still looked like a prototype but at least you could see the screen <laughs> at least you could actually play the games so yeah i just i never bought one because it's possibly partly a money thing but also partly because i just i thought it was almost unusable so i waited for the sp to come out in 2003 i think it was the clamshell sp and uh, and bought one then and then that was a case of catching up with with games and super circuit was still in the shops i think i probably paid like 20 or 25 quid for it um, played it a fair amount um, but by this stage there was nobody around to play multiplayer with i did manage to play some single cart multiplayer on using the the game boy advance as the other uh, sorry the player the super game boy uh, on the GameCube. I mean, uh, after the Game Gear and uh, the Lynx as well, like this kind of felt a lot, you know, the, the actual hardware, and this isn't the Game Boy Advance show yet, but it kind of felt a bit of a step back. You know, you couldn't play this under your duvet. What a disappointment. Totally. I mean, the battery life was, it was obviously, it was obviously a, a, a dual, dual reasons for not having any kind of screen mm-hmm. light. It was battery life and uh, and cost of, of hardware, I suppose. Um, but it was, yeah, it seemed to be a, a massive backfire i was looking at the screenshots of these gba games and magazines and thinking oh my god a portable super nintendo this is going to be absolutely incredible bear in mind uh listener we were already in the early 2000s here so you know we were playing on you know ps1s and dreamcasts even but the idea of having a handheld snes was and still is really cool so Mm. uh, i still love my game boy micro gba micro um but uh yeah it was a cool idea but yeah, they they really fell short with that particular hardware iteration. Made up for it later. Um, yeah, and so I bought it, played it. Uh, didn't get a ton of multiplayer in, as I say, just some two-player single cart, um, and then sold that on at some point, probably for decent money, and then just bought it again as part of the collection on the Wii U. So I've been playing this game, replaying it on the Wii U, but not on the gamepad. No, I've been playing it on my new 49-inch Super HD television. <laughs> and, and we'll Ooh. talk of, Yeah, well... We'll talk about the graphics in a minute. Alex79UK says, As the first handheld version of the game available, Super Circuit totally won me over at the time. Graphically, it looked great, and it played fantastic too. Man, it was Mario Kart in my pocket. The Game Boy Advance is one of my all-time favourite consoles, and this was a brilliant addition to its library. Does it hold up well? I don't know. A quick look on YouTube suggests that it ran a lot less smoothly than I remember it, but I'll always look back fondly on the fun times I had with it. 
I was going to say one of the selling points for me was I used to go into Brighton Game Station uh, back in that era. Uh, and I remember I was, you know, on vaguely friendly without being uh, annoyingly one of those people who goes in and talks to the staff all day about games. Um, uh, I God, used to be yeah. on good terms just because I was in there, you know, quite a lot as as a insane gamer. Um I remember them seeing them kind of out the back hooked up to uh, to four Game Boy Advances with, with one of those uh, link cables. And yeah, I would talk to them about it and the fact that they were playing Mario Kart like portably and it just seemed, yeah, it just seemed the most brilliant, exciting thing to do. So that was, that was always, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a real, it, again, I think this game's been so, eclipsed and, and sequelized and iterated upon now we can play mario kart 8dx on a switch and you just think what is even the point why are we even here but uh, at the time it was a big deal mario kart in your pocket mm. so yeah let's talk about the graphics uh, then and now so the only person who was really here then i remember looking at screenshots but the only person who was really here then how did you feel looking at the visuals in 2000 2001 darren my my love for the snes game was so much at that time um like I say, uh, uh, the N64 game kind of failed to dis, you know, failed to impress. Um, to be honest, we played it quite a bit, but it soon left the N64 because Diddy Kong Racing happened, and then we realised both games have got pros and cons, you know. Um, but yeah, to, to play a second SNES game, kind of, yeah, uh, I just completely fell in love with it straight away, just because I was just yearning for another one of those games, and any kind of problems i may have with it now i just couldn't see back then because i was just loving the mode 7 even though it might not be mode 7 i'm no. not too sure but um yeah i was just it's loving sim- that vibe, effect, you know? yeah yeah uh, i'm wondering so one of the things that will firstly rewind a, a sec um i know we've had some requests and we often do now try to kind of give a basic rundown of what the game is uh I don't think we need to do it with this one, but <laughs> Mario Kart is a racing game with characters from the Mario series and the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, you race carts, exclusively carts in this one, and you attack each other with shells to try to gain advantage, uh, shells and other items, I should say. And you yeah. go around fantastical circuits. That's that's the first thing. Uh, I suppose the next thing to say is that what's unusual about this one is I think most people think of it as a a sequel to the Super Nintendo game because of the tech and the way it looks. But actually it takes, it merges and fuses a ton of stuff from the N64 game as mm-hmm. well. Um, and that's kind of why I think, it, as well as it being this slightly outside developer, the fact that it uses what looks like Mode 7 2D graphics, all the courses are resolutely two-dimensional. There's no there's no hills as there was in on the polygonized N64. You've also got the, the thing, which I think is the most striking thing uh, upon first look, is the fact that you've got the sort of silicon graphics style 3D sprite models on a Super Nintendo backdrop. So did that, looking at that back in, in the day, did that, did that marry nicely for you? Because I've always felt it was a slightly odd marriage. Yeah, uh, again, I couldn't really, um, I, I can't really explain just how excited I was for this this game. <laughs> so like any any oversights, you know, any problems that I may have now with the uh, the look of it, it, mm. it was just, it wasn't there for me back in the day because it was, it was, you know, a, a pocket SNES and it could play, you know, battle mode with um, non-split screen with all my buddies. It was, yeah, it was... Mm. Um, the game was something else, to be honest, in terms of anticipation. I actually think, uh, yeah, I actually think it's uh, 
there's a lot more visual consistency in this game uh, than in the uh, Mario Kart 64 uh, yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, can see that. And if you look at even the, the quality of the, the pre-rendered sprites, they have a lot more animation. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a lot more animation states, let's say, when they turn around, when, when they spin around, than the sort of stuttery, less frequent animation frames of the uh, characters in the N64 game. And of course, they, they look sharp and crisp instead of mm. blurred, blurred uh, and washed out, blurry and washed out. And they, f- I feel they fit quite nicely on the sprite-based backgrounds as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, the animation, yeah, the the overly animated. I feel like these um these models are overly animated because when I went back to oh. playing this on the 3DS, I felt like the head turn of the characters didn't really match up to the turning of the cart. So I was kind of just wildly oversteering into um all sorts of danger, you know, grass and cheese and sand and water. <laughs> and I was just like, this is ridiculous. I can't really after Mario Kart 8 DX or whatever, I, I can't really uh, acclimatise back to the old ways of playing. Luckily I did, and uh, you know I got over that kind of hump. But yeah, at first, like the, the way Yoshi, for example, tilts his head when he turns left, it's just mad. It's like he, his face is almost on the floor. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. They, they swing their heads uh, left to right. They do, and, yeah. Uh, and it, really threw me, it really threw me off. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the backgrounds do match the animations. I like that. You know, the, the scrolling backgrounds do match the animations. But I do think the colours are a little bit washed out. I don't know if it's because I'm playing on the oh. 3DS, but I, I feel like they're not as nintendo saturated as what i was Ooh, hoping i was for. actually going to say the reverse i thought I, th- I thought if anything and th- again this is me playing on a ridiculous setup really but playing on a on a, a, a large uh modern tv uh but this is kind of how i remember it other than it was more washed out for me on the gbasp because of that front light mm. uh, it actually looks a bit almost a bit too saturated for, um but maybe that's just because i've fairly recently come off the back of the snes and n64 ones again so mm. i don't know let's all... go a bit let's go a bit deep here darren and mm. what uh, what model uh 3ds are you were you playing i'm playing it on the new 3ds See, with, uh, with a, animal with a, crossing faceplate with a much larger screen right <laughs> yeah so, so I, would, I think it's a little bit I, I was playing it on the uh, on the 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 original model, of course, with the, uh, the uh, you know the, the one that I got my ambassador uh, games from. Okay, right. and yeah. it's yeah, it's a much smaller screen and it's very vibrant in uh, in okay. color, so it looks uh, very very bright and very you can, luscious. You can do a pixel to pixel ratio thing. Does that work on? I don't think it does on the original kind of on the ambassador ones. Oh, okay. on the, yeah, sorry, on the ambassador. Yeah, because you can like, on um, if you're playing like a DS game on the 3DS. If you hold down mm, something, B, you can get B, the. Is it? Yeah, possibly so. Something like that. Yeah. So as always, we say that your experience may vary depending on the system that you're playing on, possibly the amount of daylight you've got or, or whatever. Probably the you know you could definitely say that the optimal way to play this if you're interested in it would be on a backlit sp yeah uh, i don't think anyone could argue that you should play it on the hardware for which it was originally designed because that screen is almost <laughs> invisible maybe a backlit modded gba original i don't know but um yeah you, you may you may see you may see things differently i actually think um and this will go through to our music conversation as well that maybe it's just because it's not completely in-house first party nintendo but there's something about some of the backdrop graphics which make me think more of like a sonic drift game or something like that yeah there there's it's interesting because looking at the background the horizon uh, graphics now uh, they don't look very mario actually there's a, they're a That's lot more it. grittier uh, uh, gritty is maybe not the right word but they're, they're 
contain a lot more detail than what's normal for the Mushroom Kingdom and the Mario universe. If you compare it uh, with the backgrounds in the original Super Mario Kart and the Super Nintendo, you've got the you know the flat shaded pointy hills with the eyes in it and everything. Mm. But now you you all of a sudden we'll, we have uh, gnarly jungle trees with uh, yeah. a lot of pixel detail in them, for example. Mm. Not even to speak about the unusual course uh, designs like Ribbon Road and, and Cheese Land, for example. You know? Yeah, but and it's it's such an interesting marriage, I think, this game uh, because it's also by far not as flat as the as Super Mario Kart. Because there are actual uh, roadside objects and other objects that stand out, uh, whereas Super Mario Kart was completely flat in its uh, surroundings. They had some pipes here and there, didn't it, Super Mario Kart? They had a few obstacles to get in your way. Um, yeah, a few. I, I, that's I, know, true. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. yeah but, it you know, it you seems had, you, like there's stuff s- sticks out more. And what's more, uh, the courses in Super Mario Kart looked very dithered and warped all the time, right? With mm. uh, lots Mode of. Seven. Yeah, mm. lots of crazy. Uh, sprite messiness uh but uh mario kart super circuit looks very crisp and doesn't lose a lot of detail uh in in its uh, full perspective yeah mm. and that's one, yeah. one thing i really did want to say about playing it on this ridiculous setup is it actually looks all right like it, obviously <laughs> the pixels look massive but yeah. after a little while i was like i'm perfectly happy like I, yeah. I mean i'm playing super mario kart on my snes mini or on the wii u as well on on that screen and and yeah it has those yeah. issues but yeah apart from some gigantic pixels um it yeah it's it, it it's more than functional uh it's you know actually quite attractive and entirely usable it just is really low resolution yeah yeah i think i think it's the second game to have weather effects you know the n64 yes. being the uh, fog obviously um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably the technical limitations of the hardware yeah, but they it tried a in- couple of things <laughs> it's got weather and uh, day night transition yeah, 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 there's some good, some good stuff going on there. Like, what is it, the Wild Lands or Wild Canyon or something? There's a I kind of a shy guy level, yeah. Yeah, and you you go to the third lap and it all kind of goes sunsetty. And you mm. know, the some of the Mario circuits have um, you yeah. know, they justify the the puddles of water with uh, rain. And yeah, yeah, it's, there's some really good stuff going on there. Yeah, all in all, I would say like. Uh, and I'm going to use this opportunity to, to dump a little bit more on Mario Kart 64, despite the <laughs> yeah, uh, despite the uh, lesser technology from the N64 as a system. I think this game looks miles better, actually. Yeah, it probably does. But I mean, yeah, it, obviously that's a subjective thing. But yes, actually, mm. even though I pr- probably still prefer Mario Kart 64 just because of... Uh, well, certain other elements of gameplay and stuff. Uh, yes, I think this, in terms of which one I want blown up on a modern HD TV. <laughs> actually, yes, this one probably comes out a little, a little better. Which is interesting when you know when it comes to um, Nintendo potentially releasing an N sixty four Mini Classic because. I think, you know, so it is that era of games where they're perhaps the SNES games tend to look pretty great, actually, on this mm. Um, mm. Uh, in that format. Whereas N64 games, I think some people, particularly those who haven't had a, a Wii or a Wii U and bought any virtual console games, so just haven't looked at an N64 game since, say, nine, uh, you know, 2001 or something like that. I think there's going to be some some shocked faces when they see some of that stuff uh but hopefully they'll do it anyway um but i do think there's an overall there's a there's definitely a feeling that this is uh somehow ever so slightly uh from yeah a different set of folks i think i think it it sort of 
the, everything from the from the way the the title screen is the um, the fact that the music um, will come onto the music separately, but the the music is the only game in the series not to have a remix of the actual Mario Kart theme as the title screen music. Um, the way the menus look, it all feels like it's a it's like a, a second party version rather than than EAD to me. And and it always you know maybe it's because I was always aware of that. Maybe if I if somebody had told me it was EAD and I'd never seen the intelligent systems name there, who knows? Maybe I'd have maybe I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, I agree, but I also don't think there's anything really wrong with that. I kind of like the no the different uh, <laughs> difference. Uh, no, the, I mean the qualities in- of this game. Yes, for sure, I love intelligent systems, and and I, uh, yeah, I like this game. But um, but it's yeah, it's sort of even though it's just that weird, unquantifiable thing. It looks more like a Mario Kart game and feels more like a Mario Kart game in some ways than sixty four does. But yet, because I because I know that was the next official canon first party game in the series somehow it feels more legit if you know what i mean um, <laughs> whereas this feels more like a yeah like a guy den or something it's odd it's odd so use of sound uh, in this game obviously it tells a lot of the story of what's going on as well as being uh, so it's functional as well as uh, aesthetic um, particularly in the case of things coming up behind you um, there's a few little sound effects in this that I don't think ever make a reappearance like if you pick up an item box when you've already got an item you get this weird kind of noise which I think is I think that's just this game I'm not sure um, hmm there's yeah, yeah it's a strange sound yeah there's uh it's the the characters are mostly voiced although we reckon uh your keen, keen ears reckon mckeel that some of the sound effects are not uh yeah uh Bar- Wario especially exclusive. doesn't sound like charles martinet at all no he's not yeah no he's not that's because this is the only uh american uh i believe release that features the original voice artist for wario and oh. one of the other characters as well before they changed them for all future games right yeah so basically it's, it wasn't localized in the same way with all the voices so that's part of it um but it is also possible that to save cartridge space uh, for some of the phrases that they use more, more than one character uses they just pitch the noises up and down or whatever sounds like that a lot of them say here we go in a very similar way as yeah well. but Charles Martinet is definitely credited uh, as our. I don't. I don't actually have the cast list in front of me, but yes, I, I did read that. Um, that they are all uh, voice acted. Uh, and yes, there's the usual arrangement of sound effects. Uh, one of the things again about playing this now is that depending on on what platform you play it, uh, this this sound was designed to either be played through uh, the fairly small tinny speakers of a Game Boy Advance which was the only hardware it was literally built for this one console and this one model of console that existed at the time or headphones so again I've been playing it through <laughs> through a big speaker well not a big but you know a home speaker setup uh, but it actually again it, it works fine it's you know it's nicely stereo it's everything's there's a little bit of artifacting and hiss on on the sounds as as was normal for GBA stuff, but uh, but overall it's uh, it's a fairly pleasant soundscape that's reminiscent of both the games that came before it and uh, and again does the job. Yeah, I mean I was, I was playing just a minute ago before the recording and um, I took great kind of enjoyment of hearing that kind of comedy slap that a green shell or red shell gives the character in front yeah. of you. It kind of like spanks them and it sounds really yeah. funny. Um, they, they don't have the, the kind of the afterwards like that weird kind of like weird 
spinning out noise mm. that the, the snes game does but it mm-hmm. definitely has the um the green you know the, the shell slap that i just you know i take again great enjoyment from hearing yeah the the um the, the game is a lot more comical in terms of its sound design it, it, it definitely feels more like uh, the snes game than in it well you know the uh the n64 game um but you know th- there are moments where it does also feel like the n64 game like um if um, when you're um, pressing the brake button to stop yourself from spinning out there's that kind of like the it reminds me of that and it kind of does a similar thing in terms of you know the look and the sound of you know preventing your spin out and mm. the the boost from dropping and stuff like that so you know it, it it sounds very much like a mario kart game in, in my opinion it doesn't really do much to break the mold you know the the blue shells sounds kind of sireny you know good you know all the clues are there yeah um, and it, it's quite impressive that you can hear, kind of. I don't know much about the GBA hardware, but there's kind of a, there's kind of quite a lot going on at mm, any one time. If you include the music and the you know the ambient noises from the track and, and uh, the, you know the the weapons going on and the characters, it, there's, there's quite a lot going on here. And um, yeah, I don't really I haven't really appreciated it until I had the earphones on earlier on in the week when I was playing it, and I, I found myself just <laughs> bopping along on the, on the couch to the music. And <laughs> I, I don't think any of the music uh, tracks really are earworms as such, but when you're in the in the pace of 150cc and some of those tracks start kind of egging you on to do better, especially on the final lap, like, I definitely found myself just nodding my head a little bit to, to the rhythm. And uh, yeah. yeah, my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well... <laughs> play Mario Kart trying to get the gold you know what I mean and yeah, uh, yeah. so the, the I find the the audio kind of subtly impressive in a way that I wasn't really uh, I never really found it before this go this game also has uh, coin pickups and when I was driving around I started hearing this annoying beeping sound at one point which be, oh, which went like fa- fast, faster and faster yeah like low Zelda on coins. being low on hearts is low on mm. coins but it took me a little while to figure out why there was beeping going on and then I saw the the coin indicator uh, blinking but yeah that's another very uh, typical sound for this game I feel the, the, the yeah that's a very kind of 2000-ish Nintendo move isn't it like we say it's like Zelda when you're low on hearts and in this case it's the same thing it's kind of consistent with I, I don't know if Zelda does it now actually when you're low on hearts I don't think it does in no, Breath of the no, Wild not in Breath of the Wild Oh. Yeah, good. I, I didn't think so. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I've, I found that um, the noise of low coins, followed by um, you know many characters smashing into the back of me because I play as Toad. <laughs> you know, the, again, it has its frustrations. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's also kind of a comedy element to it all that kind of yeah. makes me smile. <laughs> yes, good, good sport. Yeah, true enough. So the music's by uh, different composers. So uh, Soya Oka. Uh, wrote the SNES originals and uh, her tunes make a reappearance on the SNES tracks, which we'll talk more about because obviously they uh, they have some changes made to them. But uh, Intelligent Systems composers Kenichi Nishimaki, Masanobu Matsunaga and Mineko Hamano are responsible for the, the tunes. And I think it, it does show rather that there's three different composers worked on the game. There, there isn't, for me, any great consistency. And like you say, there, there's not... So maybe it's just because I haven't played this game quite as much. I've actually probably played it more in the last two weeks than I did when I had the cartridge back on the GBA mm. uh, in preparation for the show. And and you know, I, like you, I I can I can enjoy the soundscape such as it is, but it is. A, I think I think there aren't too many melodies which really stand out. Like I've got the I've got the title screen in my head now because I've heard it so many times, uh, and it's got this very uh, GBA sounding pseudo midi guitar thing going on which i'm not a massive fan of but 
yeah, overall, a, a pleasant set of uh, sound, uh, yeah, OST, but nothing to really, it's not like, for me, it's not like the great hidden gem of Mario Kart soundtracks. Mm. Um, I, I feel like um, there's a lot of, there, there's not many tunes they've brought back. There's a few uh, when they've brought back like Cheeseland and stuff, uh, but they've heavily remixed them and obviously played them with a live band on Mario Kart 8 and, and uh, oh, yeah. 8DX and all that. So uh, it sounds quite different now. I just think that the music in this game loops too quickly. Yeah. There's no kind of middle bit, you know. It doesn't really feed into another part of the song and then loops back again. Mm. It kind of feels like there's 10 seconds of music and it loops and you think that would be earwormish, but it's just not mm. for me. Cartridge space you know, the, again, I suppose. Oh, yeah, you know. And, um, you yeah, know, I and suppose you, the, the, mel- the melodies just are not strong enough uh, for that. But the, the intro music, if you let it run, it goes on for ages and it's kind <laughs> of like different like all the way through it kind of varies in style and pace and, and vibe and stuff and then you get to the actual sound uh you know the tracks for the for the tracks yeah. and it's um they're really short it's kind of they should have odd. swapped that around i'd say like to say because who sits on the title screen for hours listening to music on a on a mario kart gpa game like why mm. not take 10 you know chop off 10 seconds of all those tracks and add it to the <laughs> uh, add it to the in-game ones or something i you know don't know if that makes sense i don't actually know do either of you know how big gba cartridges were at this point or how did how big they could be memory um, memory wise oh no i'm gonna pull figures out my bum but they, they weren't very big two five six mega i'm i'm sort of guessing that they weren't they weren't massive at all were they mm. um i'm only kind of vaguely remembering from my testing days and yeah you know the, the files to upload weren't in their gigs i'm sure of it no, very, I mean, obviously, small. I could go and seek out a ROM and download it, but uh, I'm going to say it was small compared to modern games, <laughs> for sure. Safe assumption. So the character lineup uh, consists of eight. No secrets, no unlockables. Uh, that is it. You've got your Mario and Luigi. Your Luigi. They are the, the intermediate ones with uh, speed and weight uh, star ratings uh, as... Mm. Uh, as was uh, the way of displaying it at this point, uh, it didn't have those in Super, did it? It was just no, just uh, just guesswork. Wasn't guesswork, it? yeah. Uh, Peach and Toad, fast but light. Uh, Yoshi uh, is the odd one out with four speed and two weight, but then you got Donkey Kong with two speed and four weight, and uh, Wario. Oh no, sorry. Wario is the same weight as Donkey Kong, isn't yeah. it? Two and four, and then Bowser's your uh, your one speed heavyweight. Actually, I, I ended up finishing the the one fifty cc with Bowser just because in the end, being a bully really helps more than you might think. Being fast <laughs> would be. Yeah. Uh, there are different coloured Yoshi's if you play versus with a single player uh, with a single cartridge. Uh, that's actually how they get around not having different mm. character sprites in there. So. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's it's another way in which the game kind of deviates from the others in the series. Like the 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 handling and the weight classes are a little bit different from the, yeah. uh, their usual selves. I was especially uh, surprised to see Toad's uh, top speed rating or his speed rating. Uh, yeah, and, um, versus his weight. No Koopa Trooper. Uh, this is the N64's influence yeah, exactly. on this character roster. Oh, so to, so, so to, Toad is to in a class all by himself, and uh, his. I guess his replacement, uh, Koopa Troopa's uh, replacement would be Wario, but he's in the same weight class as, uh, as Donkey Unbelievable. Kong. Unbelievable. And Donkey Kong is in a different weight class from Bowser. Yeah, It's yeah. all over the place, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a few uh, things like uh, you mentioned the coins there. So coins had completely disappeared from the N64 game. They came back here and then they were ditched for the next however many 
sequels it mm. was until seven. Yeah, uh, and seven. now they now they seem to be back for good, but who knows? They might not be in nine. Um, this is also the only. We could say only... that. Uh, sorry, we could also say that coins came back with a vengeance for this game because there's a lot of them on the track. Yes, and they are <laughs> a function as well. Uh, yeah. This is also one of only two games in the, uh, I guess, eight and a half game series now that has a random character option. So if you want to, uh, I mean, fighting games have it. So, I mean, and that's an even uh, that's an even more mm. important selection in a fighting game than it is in a Mario Kart game, I would argue. So surely having a random select in Mario Kart is, I think, yeah, it's perfectly legit. I'm not sure why they haven't done it in in the others. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't add a lot, but I don't think it takes anything away. Um, mm. Yeah, so handling, you just mentioned it, Mikhail. Um, this very much is where the game feels to me like a, a real mishmash or a mashup of the previous two games. Mm. So mainly yeah. it feels like Super Mario Kart, but it has the it has a mini turbo, but you don't exactly access it in the same way as you did in, in the N64 or future games. Do you care to expand on that? First and foremost, I think you would, looking at it, you would expect it uh, to handle a lot like Super Mario Kart, of course. Yes. Uh, but where Super Mario Kart feels skiddy in its handling, the way you take corners, uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit feels very slidey, if that makes any, uh, <laughs> any ki- oh, yeah. kind of skiddy, sense. Skiddy, not, can you, can you make the semantic difference uh, between yeah, I guess skiddy, skiddy and sliding? In, in, a, in, in your a second sense. language, please. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think skiddy in the sense that it's, I mean, this, maybe this is more like a, a feeling or emotional thing, like in a Super Mario Kart, when you would uh, take a corner, it's sort of, they feel, sort of feel like stuttery, stuttery and going out of control the way they slide around uh-huh. the corner. And the sliding around corners in Mario Kart Super Circuit feels a lot smoother and almost like there's less, less resistance. So... It's uh, when you first start playing the game. It was for me very typical to oversteer massively, and uh, mm. yeah, you really take corners way too sharp and hit uh, hit barriers. The more I played it uh, this last few weeks, uh, the better I've got at it. Unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. I know it seems like an obvious thing, but uh, it was actually the the part of the game which. Uh, sort of insists upon you collecting coins, which is to collect a hundred coins over four uh, races of a cup to unlock the Super Nintendo tracks on that equivalent cup that actually got me playing a lot better because you have to you really have to learn how to corner then you can't rely on power-ups you have to you have to follow the lines of the track and actually go off the racing line and all this stuff Um, and the more I've played it the more I've liked it actually You, you come like all these like so many driving or racing games I think the more the more you become comfortable with the handling the more enjoyment the more pleasure you get out of racing yeah, it's it's very strange. Uh, this uh, this is the only Mario Kart game where I actually felt like I needed to let go of the gas from time to time to yes. take a corner oh, better definitely. all the time. Yeah, yeah, not all the time. A lot, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I uh, became very conservative w- uh, with using the uh, the hop slash power slide button in this game. Very conservative because I felt like it didn't totally. help me much mm. in most cases and uh i i was better off just steering manually around corners uh so to speak and the hop became sort of my desperation thing when i was about to hit an obstacle or something quite often i could just hop over puddles of water and uh gaps in little gaps in the track for example by using it at the right time 
Yeah, I mean, we've been, well, us Mario Kart enthusiasts have been trained over the last couple of decade of power sliding every opportunity, every corner, yeah, yeah. Every corner and you know, the maximize straights. the boost. Yeah. yeah, and up the straights, cool. So, yeah, you, you know, do the sneaky, uh, yeah, uh, sneaky boost up straights. You know, and in 8DX, we, we were given the, the pink boost if you were to power slide for even longer. So then so then you come back to this one yeah. and it, your, your mind kind of thinks of, right, it plays a bit like the SNES one, but it kind of feels like the 64 one. So in your head, you, you, you know, well, in my hands, I, I did this power slide, wiggle left and right on the old D-pad. No, that's not going to get me any kind of boost. I was thinking, where's the, um, where's the little, le- uh, little, you know, letters that pop out from behind nope. the car? There's none of that no kind indicator, of up here. Yeah, not it's, until it's, you do it. Yeah, um, it's kind of a weird mix between the two in that, you know, you hop and then you hold down the R button to kind of keep it loose and then let go to tighten up again. It's kind of, that's kind of not how it works on the SNES one. And I couldn't really verbalize it well. I'm really good lately at kind of being on podcasts where I can't actually put things into words. It's hard, man. Because it is, it is really hard to yeah. kind of describe Mario Kart <laughs> sliding. Um, but yeah, in this one, you, you, you hold it down to loosen the, the turning and then let go of the R button to tighten up your... Um, yeah, your, your grip on the road. But that depends on the floor that you're on. You know, if you're racing on cheese or ice or something, it's kind of just, it's all over the place. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. Mikhail, you're not going to use the power slide on every corner, especially on 150cc, because it's, um yeah, yeah the, the game's a lot more strategic than what I gave it credit for. Yeah, I completely agree. And in fact, as a compare and contrast, I played a little bit of Super Mario Kart and a little bit of uh, F-Zero, the original uh, mm. today. And actually, this game is, in some ways, feels more like F-Zero on the Super Nintendo than it yeah. does Super Mario Kart. This this is kind of like a, like a revelation, <laughs> you say yeah. that, but it does mm. feel like that now that you say it, yeah. I wonder if the intelligent systems guys were like big fans of F-Zero because, you know, lots of people were and are, as you as you would expect. Um, but yes, the actual using the brakes and shoulder button in tandem to get round corners is very much like the fundamentals of, of Super Nintendo F-Zero, isn't it? So Yeah, definitely. I never even put that together until, yeah. You, yeah. Wow. Jesus, maybe I'm good at F-Zero now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've Anyways. always been terrible at F-Zero as well. So I've, I've actually, since I got my, my SNES Mini for my birthday, I've just been just been going back into that so yes uh, i seem to be improving both that and this simultaneously which is uh, quite a good thing although you know whether i could maintain that on the higher setting higher difficulties of f-zero is, a, is another matter and a series no doubt we'll cover someday in the future on cane and rinse so obviously even once you've got anywhere semi good with the handling and really as you say i think every corner is different like almost every corner yeah. in this game you have to treat ever so slightly differently it's quite demanding in that regard and yeah, particularly and once you a lot open of track up, memorization comes into it. Yeah, really. Mm. I think that's part of the reason why I've got better as I've been because I've been replaying, replaying cups. Which, like we talked about, the N sixty four version where I completed it, pretty much just burned through the entire single player in one day, and I've done that on that version of the game multiple times. It was so easy. That was partly the AI, um, which is what we're coming on to next. Uh, but partly just because the you know the a lot of the tracks were just pretty much ovals uh or you know <laughs> fairly unimaginative uh actual circuits and i think it it's also interesting when you unlock the super nintendo tracks on this you realize that obviously they're much tighter much shorter smaller but there's also a lot more kind of stuff getting in your way like the ice blocks or holes in the bridge and all that stuff whereas Mm. super circuit (laughs) is more about actual racing circuits rather than the kind of um i mean obviously super mario kart has some classics uh which are pure racing but there's also a lot of stuff as i say extra stuff whereas most of the circuits in super circuit are 
racing circuits, I would say, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah until you get later on in the cups and they start throwing like volcano blobs of lava. Oh, yeah, there is and, some of that. You know, right. Shargars yeah. on TPs and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the game has its obstacles in the way. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they've got the kind of the traditional cups, the first three maybe. They seem to be very much just, you know, rubber meets the road racing kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff in the N64 version, as we discussed, uh, even in the multiplayer with the yellow bombs that everybody hated and stuff like the, you know, that kind of obstacle course of snowmen and things like that, where you just think, I don't actually, do I actually want this? And I don't know, some of that, some of that stuff is, is still, you know, retained to this day in, in 8 and mm. DX, uh, but it always feels like there's uh i guess just because the the handling is so precise on the on the very modern games that it doesn't feel like such thing whereas on the n64 and the and the snes stuff getting in your way was a real problem because you couldn't reliably uh kind of just nip around it if you see what i mean if you were if you were offline you were just you were going into it regardless uh a lot of the time yeah Uh, maybe that's just me what I also found is uh, during, you know, the, the, the ramp up in difficulty in the CC classes and the higher speed, at 150 CC, it's like you're trying to control, uh, you know, a, a wild animal that shoots in all directions. Yeah. Fortunately, really- there's... There's no 200 CC or mirror mode in this particular yeah. version of the game. I was, no. I was. Uh, this, this was. Uh, s- s- you know, I haven't played anything this intense in a long time. Mm. Uh, 150 CC on. Uh, Super uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit. I genuinely feel like the the first two classes in this game are kind of essential to learning the game, and then the 150 CC is kind of like the hmm. real test. Whereas before, I'd kind of skip to the end and go, oh, "I'm good at Mario Kart. Oh, you know, I'll go straight to 150 yeah. CC and then work backwards." In this one, in this recent playthrough, I felt like I had to go through the initial 50, 100, and then 150 CC just because of track memorization, yeah. handling memorization. Like, it is a challenging game, definitely. It almost the, yeah, it almost felt like I jumped on 150 CC too quickly yeah. before mm. I got a full handling on the handling. Funnily <laughs> enough, the, the, the video review I was watching earlier while you were swearing at Mario Kart was said it's <laughs> exactly the same thing. Like, yeah, I recommend, or he was saying I recommend that expert Mario Kart players start at 100 CC. And if you've never played the game before, definitely start at 50. So, yeah, interesting. And obviously one of the things that uh, Mario Kart is most notorious for and identifiable by is its uh, enemy AI. And especially now as a lot of us are playing a version Mm. of this game that has no opportunity to play with uh, humans, where it becomes much more of a party game and more of a laugh. And you know that it's kind of unfair, but the best player will ultimately always win. And and, well, not always, but largely win and yada, yada, yada. The AI in the Super Nintendo game was notoriously brutal and it was, you know, kind of biased and it cheated. Um, There's less obvious distinction between um, the characters uh, having their own kind of special signature stuff now, I would say. But it definitely Uh still does the thing where it picks your... Uh, it picks your rival based on the character you are. So if you yeah. if you play as Bowser, you're much more likely to have Mario as the main uh, the main mm. nemesis. And if you're Toad, it tends to be Peach, and and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, overall, I felt like the 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 AI in this game was tough, but never never just, super cheaty, right? No, never super cruel and cheaty. Yeah, no. doing no? this special cup just now on 150 cc. Like I, I was in third for a lot of it, and Peach was in first, and Luigi was in second, and Luigi had so many stars 
that ended so abruptly again and again and again just to stop me from getting the first place and ah, that's why yeah. I was swearing a lot because I was like oh yeah you've got another star of you that's convenient and then one up behind me were gonna I, you know what like, I'm not saying there's none <laughs> I, ha- I hadn't seen it a lot until this special cup 150cc like usually it's it been alright it? I hadn't seen much of it yeah but I, this last cup on the hardest difficulty yeah. whether I was more aware of it because I was a bit more aggressive than normal uh, yeah. or what but like this yeah this last time I just played was like yeah, no, this feels like the SNES game again. Uh, but in this one, they don't have made-up items that you can't access. So in the SNES one, you had little yes, mushrooms and little yes. kind of fireballs and stuff. So it feels more of a fair playing field, and it, it feels good to see AI attack AI, because I don't remember them ever doing it in the other games before no. this. They always seem to hit, hit you. Yeah. But you know, when Mario and Luigi are in first and second, and you're in third, and you see the green shell ho- hovering behind Luigi, ready to smack his brother, like I just love that because you 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 feel like you've got a better shot at you know yeah. taking that. And it makes place the game world first, feel yeah. more alive as well. It does, yeah. 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 Rather than everybody everybody being out for you, I what what one thing that uh, was very noticeable to me is that on the 150 CC AI opponents would actually actively keep on bashing into you to rob you of your coins yeah, and, and spin definitely. you out that's really on got, got on my nerves uh, a couple of times yeah the, the boo course where obviously the walls aren't as um solid as they are in other tracks and they they, they break after one or two hits and yeah. then you have a chain reaction because they're quite tight courses as well you have bowser donkey kong and wario were smacking into you and then, yeah it's um yeah it's, it's good old mario kart it is i never actually <laughs> uh remembered i meant to keep kept thinking i must look this up i must look this up i never did what's the coin what's the top coin limit for speed increase in this one is it 10 or 20 i'm not sure no i i don't in terms of speed i i i think it caps out at 30 i could be wrong I, I had i had so many coins like in one could be. On, one, on one of the snow courses i had about 51 yeah, coins because yeah, yeah. there's like a, there's a big row of them like a big yeah, column yeah. of them just down. so you're obviously going to be line for that because you need the 100 coins um but yeah, um, I, I I don't really recall it ever mm. kind of capping out, but it must do at some point. And um, yeah, because you're not going to infinitely speed up. But I it, I think it's around about the 30 mark. I could be wrong, but it felt like that was the point where okay. Toad's you know engine was at its peak. I think it's also worthy of note that this is probably the start of uh, Lakitu actually getting a bit of a shift on to get you back in the race compared to certainly compared to the Super Nintendo version. Uh, but I think even possibly compared to the N64, Lakitu turns up much qu- more quickly after you fall off the track and and drops you more rapidly yeah it did feel too slow to me but that's maybe because i'm used more to mario kart 8 these days well yeah uh, and yeah, and, I, and, I, and i found it annoying how he sometimes seems a bit indecisive of where to put you on a track <laughs> like he whizzes left and right and then he drops you somewhere you know what a doofus yeah and he takes he's definitely money. an improvement he is definitely an improvement over the other uh, yeah. the previous games but after 8 and 8 dx yeah, like he slow. seems like yeah. he's lafajaku do you ever get uh <laughs> flattened in this game to a paper thin you know, slow. That, I've never seen that. No, I think you just spin out. No, good. You just get knocked about uh, once you, uh, yeah. once you uh, are um, shrunken. Because that was so often race over. I mean, there's still a massive amount of rubber banding in this. Uh, but actually, I found uh, I was watching the the map, which is uh, on, on in the corner of the screen. It was quite easy on some tracks to really pull away from the AI. Uh, not maybe not on uh, 150 on the later cups, but certainly up to uh, 100. Um, it's uh, it, it doesn't make great efforts to keep up with you but it really does that difficulty that wasn't there at all in the n64 version even on the mirror mode uh is 
back with a vengeance. Mikhail, I think you said you uh, lost your sanity almost trying to complete this game. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think because as we concluded, the AI is not as cheaty as uh, the one in Super Mario Kart. Like, what, what, what's the issue here, you know? Mm. And it's probably just, yeah, just getting used to the handling and then the, uh, the track design um, and how heavily you have to memorize it of where to you know, lose speed and uh, whether to use a slide or not. Uh, and then, I mean, the AI is still ruthless and they make very little mistakes on yeah. 150cc. Uh, yeah, it just, there were some, just some really painful moments uh, and a lot of restarts of, uh, of, of uh, cops. And I think one thing that I was very thankful for was this does the old thing again of where you come in lower than fourth uh you actually yeah, game over well it's life. it's a you you lose a life but i was thankful for that because sometimes when i would no no i would end up fourth i would just uh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh try know, again yeah i would i would just uh stop dead on the track in front of the finish line and watch somebody else take over so i could uh, take a take a retry because i wanted to come in at least second uh to to get my rankings uh mm. position in the ranking uh up and does the yeah. ambassador version of the game allow you to save state <laughs> no no right no you, you can't even close the clamshell to kind of pause it it kind of runs in the in the clamshell Ooh. state yeah. yeah so i was when i was playing today and um my wife was putting my child to bed i was playing it on the slide so she wouldn't see what i was doing i was in the kitchen for a little bit longer than normal when she came running in i closed the 3ds and i was like oh, i'm still i'm still driving no it hasn't <laughs> saved the position so yeah it's very bare bones those 3ds games yeah. um, in terms of functionality which is why yeah they were never officially they were, well yeah. later they were officially released as uh, mm. on the some of them uh no the snes games were anyway that's a Yes. That's a side topic. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing, as I said, on the Wii U, uh, which allows uh, save states. <laughs> so you can <laughs> so you can uh, at least make sure that uh, if you've had a good race, you can then save at the start of the next yeah. one um, if you want. Uh, it also, another thing about that, and again, I realise I'm speaking to an incredibly small number of people that this will be relevant to, but the Wii U version does allow you, if you want, to switch on a graphic smoothing filter my ah. advice is never, ever no. do that. <laughs> even on a big screen. In fact, probably even more so on a big screen. Yeah. Uh, it looks, to me, I mean, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Try it and see what you think. But to me, it looks horrific. Usually uh, does. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of things. So the, I guess, uh, the... The first two cups on 150cc were kind of doable because it doable because the tracks were uh, are kind of basic on those. Mm -hmm. But the later two took me at least two hours, and I think the special cup took took me three full hours to wow. try and clear it with a lot of raging and a lot of restarts. And just mm. I'm, uh, the it, the special cup starts with a track called Lakeside Park. Mm. with the, mm. the volcano in the background and there's a bit there if you slide a little bit too much out of the corner you can basic, basically just restart your race over again because yep. you have to do a part of the track in a, uh, yep. again and it's just almost impossible to catch up with the, with yeah. the rest there's also some bits where you can uh, in the style of uh, Wario Stadium on the N64 you can if you miss a bridge jump you can end up having to yeah. do part that's of the exact. circuit again is that that? that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's right. a part like that yeah, yeah. okay yeah. 
Yes. Uh, so it's definitely sent to try you. I, I guess I guess they they did cop a certain amount of flack Nintendo for the the very very short single player experience that the N sixty four game offered. But I mean this this was like four years later. Uh, but it was the next Mario Kart game. So perhaps uh, intelligent systems. I mean, and intelligent systems are known for making quite tough games as well, aren't they? I mean, the mm-hmm. the Fire yeah. Emblem games are, are very unforgiving. Um, Advance Wars can get incredibly challenging. Maybe not the Even Paper, Paper Mario. Is oh, quite really? challenging oh, okay. to be honest. Yeah, you, you get um, you get kind of deep into it, and, and I know it's an RPG, so mm. the more you grind, the better you sure. are. But the, the, that and a thousand year door, they they were both kind of challenging games. They, yeah. They've gotten easier over time with the Mario and Luigi and right. other Paper Mario games. Mm. But yeah, they, the the first two. Quite a challenge. Mm. Well, that's another series yeah. we'd love to cover someday, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, items. Uh, so obviously, Mario Kart games are again. There's another element that defines them: is which items make it in and which don't. So as we mm. uh, as we read earlier from the development, it, uh, the idea was that everything was going to come across in the N64, but that didn't quite happen. Uh, however, we did end up, end up with uh, mushrooms, uh, triple mushrooms only uh, in time trial and versus. Single banana does what it always does: green shell fires straight out. You can get the triple green shell as per the N64. Red shell homes, mm-hmm. but perhaps is not as deadly and reliable as it was in the N64 game oh. i think i think it depends on the track because sometimes yeah. it proper bends around the corner yeah. and then more more of a bowser castle scenario of which there are many yes. <laughs> bowser castles in this game yeah. uh yeah i found they were kind of not as um yeah if there, if there are a lot of gaps in a track it's uh you have to be very strategic with you you can just uh, yes. fire it off as soon as you you get one you have to wait for the right moment yeah it'll, it'll disappear into water or lava uh yeah. it'll yeah fall through a hole it won't yeah it very it won't just weave its way through everything and and take out the next person i actually tend to use them really close up behind you know because generally if you get a red shell there's somebody in front of you you don't often get them when you're out in front so i'll just wait until i get as close as possible and then they're, they're, they're pretty good at hitting close targets i would say mm. yeah. the, the strategy for red shells is just oh, so satisfying like you, the, there is like a kind of a, a patience to those kind of you know you want to because it's a 90 percent guaranteed hit you want to make sure you're hitting the right person so if you're going at a decent speed mm. and you know you're about to take over the third place player or you know ai control character you don't want to hit them you kind of want to overtake them and then get the second place one like i i find that part of the game really kind of satisfying and i hadn't really worked it out until i was playing this cup this special cup just before the recording i was like there's, there's quite a lot of strategy to these items which i I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk to everyone, but I don't think maybe many people realise, um, you know, there is there is a layer of strategy to these items more than just flinging them out and hoping for the best. Yeah. There is definitely, I remember, you know, I remember a time and place. Uh, especially sitting on uh, on stars quite a lot on uh, 150cc, yeah, uh, <laughs> driving around but, on Rainbow Road or the, of course like Stars that. in this game are kind of, they're the better versions of stars because in 8DX, for example, they don't really speed you up. They just allow you to cut corners better. Whereas in this one, you do get a, a speed boost and the ability yeah. to cut corners so yeah i you know i'm kind of sad that the stars have gone the way they are have been you know treated in 8dx but i you know to, to have the speed boost from the star again and the ability to smash into people with no uh penalty and also cutting corners like that's the kind of star i want and i was yeah super grateful to have them in super circuit but you seem to get them in like second place and third yeah. place and stuff yeah. it's really weird that's yeah. it the whole thing with the items it's no it's it there you can got uh, get quite lucky in a higher position with them uh, in this in this game. Yeah, the distribution is seems to be uh, less biased 
towards position. Although having said that, I have I have not had in all my many plays in the last few weeks a spiny shell at all. Uh, I've seen one. I've seen one. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I've never had a lightning either. I've had it done to me, but I've never had a lightning. So I was uh, lightnings. In all my hours of play, I was surprised to actually, at very late in, see one blue shell, uh, one spiny shell pop up in mm. my item box. Right. I, I didn't even realize that those were in the game, and that was the only single only time that I ever got one. Yeah. And the the Weird. the booze are they the only booze in the series that slow you down? Because I I was in first place and I was cruising along oh. and I got booed right at the end and it slowed me down and Luigi pipped me to the post oh. and I was like, hmm, is that common in the series? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, they just come and nick your stuff. Uh, yeah, like they come around, they spin around your head, they look really aggressive, like kind of not Nintendo like aggressive. They like look a little bit too menacing. Like you were saying earlier, the aesthetic kind of isn't Nintendo, you know, brand. It kind of like. Yeah. It's kind of like the cereal box version of booze kind of come on and, you know, they, they look a bit too weird. And it slowed me down and I thought, hmm, I wonder how many games in the series have that and we haven't noticed. Um, but I definitely felt it on this version of the game. Speaking of speed, I did I do a little internet search about the coin max limit and it's 55. And wow. that, um, that explains really why granular. I outdrove a red shell at one point because I yes. was cruising and a red shell couldn't hit me. Yes, yeah. I've had that a few times while I've been collecting coins, so that makes perfect sense. That's mm. wow, fifty-five, crikey! Yeah, hmm. Uh, we mentioned those unfinished items, uh, or yeah, the idea that they were going to bring them all across from the N sixty-four. Uh, you can actually see uh, certain items in uh, in the game with a game shark. Remember the game shark uh, cheat cartridge. Uh, I didn't know they did a GBA one, but I suppose, of course, they did. Uh, the banana bunch is there, but it just doesn't function. The golden mushroom actually does work to a, after a fashion, but it acts like a normal mushroom, oddly. And the fake item box causes uh, racers to spin out of control as if it was a banana. But uh, sadly, there's no placing fake item boxes. Mm. So it seems that if they were on the cart, it was more that they removed they were removed for gameplay reasons or balance reasons or both rather than memory or i suppose possible yeah i just don't need more stuff on the tracks if i'm being (laughs) honest like the the game's chaotic enough on 150cc that having triple bananas you know strategically placed you know well if i was playing in multiplayer i would definitely do strategy with um do some strategy with some uh, trio bananas but yeah I, i honestly i didn't really miss their um their you know their absence so i wasn't thinking oh i wish i had some free bananas right about now because the 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 tracks are so short and the game moves at such a pace that they're kind of over before you really really know it and you're like okay you know i I, I wasn't really yearning for a golden mushroom because once you've got your 55 coin speed limit you don't really need one no that is that is a good point and also fake item boxes fun in multiplayer but always feels a bit arbitrary against the computer because it knows and it's it's essentially making a decision whether it crashes into it or not Mm. Mm. yeah yeah that, that argument like you say it's definitely to fake out your um your human opponents yeah. definitely because there's no real what's the difference between a fake item uh, box and a banana at that point if you're using it against ai yeah so uh this game had the most circuits in a mario kart so far by some distance uh 20 mm. out of the box and 40 if you unlocked all of the super nintendo circuits all of them. This is the only Mario Kart to feature all of the tracks from a previous game, still to this day, um, which is interesting. Now, I think um, 
there's there are some as there are some different elements as i say of the snes tracks such as uh, monty moles are gone oil slicks are gone thwomps in the bowser castles are gone um so there are still some hazards like water holes and and those uh, breakable blocks but uh, the the tracks are different they look a little different but it is nice hearing yeah. the jauntily remixed versions of the music and i still feel like with uh, we've mentioned Cheeseland there, and it feels more canon now that it's been re-embraced with more yeah. recent games. But at the time, Ribbon Road, Cheeseland, um, and maybe one or two of the others, Sky Garden, Sky Garden, yeah, felt like they were from a different developer because of, yeah. because they were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's cheese in Super Mario World, so why did Cheeseland feel so odd? Cheese bridge. Yeah, it's, um, you know, made sense. It came, yeah, came know, out of nowhere. It was never in any previous Mario game before. Cheese bridge. There's also a track in this series that you know the original kind of four. Sorry, not the original. The, the Super Circuit Cups. There's a track in there which kind of looks like Chocker Mountain, but it's not. Mm. It does a similar thing. And then like you know, it's got puddles of like mud instead of mm. chocolate here. And I just thought to myself, oh, why didn't they just use Choco Mountain back then? <laughs> yeah. But now, now looking at it now, you think actually, yeah, it's actually it paved way for the series kind of direction and the fact that they've got all these different varied, uh, you know, aesthetics in their tracks, you know, looking back now on these new, on, well, back the, the newer tracks yeah. of the, of the yeah. lot. I, I appreciate it more now than I did back then. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. That's also another thing. Now to come to think of it, actually, uh, what contributes to the difficulty is the flatness of the track. Yeah. Because, um, because a lot of obstacles are also flat. You can't really see them when you're sliding around so you know, it goes for puddles of water on the luigi circuit and also for the little uh, pools of uh, quicksand uh, mm. in the uh, yoshi mm. desert which was one of my, well, they're annoying. Uh, my most annoying tracks to, to race on uh, yeah, that's an- another thing that's really caught me so many times mm. and i'm sure the crabs in this game are sand colored just to wind me up yeah like, <laughs> they're, they're so hard to spot in some places like you again you're moving so fast and sometimes like they, they kind of just blend in with the sand behind you on the uh, Cooper Not Trooper on a 49-inch or... screen, my friend. I bet they're huge. <laughs> <laughs> Gigantic. All eight yeah. pixels of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, actually unlocking those slightly remixed Super Nintendo circuits, is is it more of a rigmarole than it needs to be? I mean, it's odd because it's actually made me appreciate the game more having to do it by going through all the cups again and collecting 100 coins over, over the course of a cup. So I've enjoyed that. But actually, I felt like I've done this now. Do I need to do it again for every class and every cup? Yeah, on one hand, you're definitely right. On the other hand, I can imagine somebody buying this game uh, and not having friends to play with being quite happy with uh, the yeah. meaty experience <laughs> uh, for a single player that it gives. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it does make me kind of I wish, I know this is not for this podcast really, but uh, we talked about uh, this on probably on the end of year show i guess you guys did the Mario, the fact that mario kart 8 dx came out and had all the circuits that they did for mario kart 8 plus dlc in out the box they could have done some more (laughs) you know we could have some more why not let's let's have they could always have all the circuits from all the games ever Uh, like they're they're doing with the new smash brothers game I was going to say, exactly. yeah, with Smash Brothers and all the know, characters back, uh, they've pretty much got all the characters now, haven't they? And and more from other games. So yeah, just bring it on. Anyway, we're talking Super Circuit here. I would say that forty circuits was a, a generous offering for a uh, for a, a Wii, you know, a Wii GBA cart, uh, and to have all those very much so, yeah, those beloved tracks from the original uh, was yeah, it's a re- really lovely 
unlockable bonus. Um, yeah, uh, it's not that it makes the original game obsolete though, because it's different. <laughs> so it's like. It's not like, well, I've got Super Circuit with all the tracks now, so I never need to play Super Nintendo Mario Kart again. It was like, but they're also here, and that's cool. Yeah. Mm. It yeah. also kind of speaks to my my sort of semi-theory that the game was a SNES port first, which you know, we kind of confirmed it was, but I haven't, I can't really find any concrete, massive evidence no, that I it like was. that theory, though. Yeah. That, uh, it that, also, you know, that, that reinforces that theory. And totally. that, you know, all these all these tracks are here. And then they just built another game on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of unlocking, I, I kind of like the fact that it's a bit of a challenge to unlock, but also I, I couldn't be bothered this time around. So I wanted to see them, but I just didn't have the energy to do that again. Because, you, you know, you've got to get 100 coins Maybe to unlock. it should have just, uh, in the way that achievements and trophies do, if you do it on 150, you also automatically get the 50 and 100 ones. I mean, that would that would surely do it, but you don't. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you also get a new title screen, which is something that I now miss on the original Super Nintendo game. I feel like if you've done mm. everything, you should get a different title screen, but you don't, I don't think. Um, but you do from the N64 version onwards. And in this, you get a, first a sunset one and then a nighttime one, which, uh, yeah, I always like, I still like that. I still dig the yeah. winning winning a new title screen stuff in games uh, because mm. it know, you know, you fire it up and you think, yeah, I did that. I, I, I yeah. really did that game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not too different to, you know, um, a recent game that I've been obsessing over and I got a purple dress. So <laughs> what's the difference, really? I lost my save data of uh, Double Dash, so now I'm back to the plain old uh, uh, regular title screen well, again. you have motivation to do it for our show later this year, Mikhail. All over again, yeah. Yeah, not not a very hard mm. one, that one, either, I don't, as I recall. But uh, probably not quite as hard as this, but harder than N64. Anyway, yeah. Uh, one little curio, a localization element in the Japanese version of the game. The shy guys in Sunset Wilds wear Native American headdresses. These were removed in the Western versions to avoid accusations of cultural appropriation. Mm. Yeah, Nintendo kind of had a little run around this era of doing things, you know, a, a bit, you know, sensitive, I guess. Uh, they had um, a Mario Party translation oh, thing yeah. where they used a word that we don't normally use mm -hmm. uh, in... Yeah, um, fair enough, they changed it, you know what I mean? But um, I, I don't know if Nintendo still make the same mistakes now. Sometimes, um, I think change. Yeah. it happens. I'm not sure if that, if I'm not sure how many people, if anyone would have been offended by that. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think it's probably best to be respectful where you can be. And frankly, mm. it's no great loss. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> nah. I, I can I can deal. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about because this is—it's always been a bit of a mystery to me—is the rankings for the uh, for the Grand Prix. So, uh, I mean, again, if you really want to really, really, really ace this game, you have to get the three-star ranking on all the GPs. Um, now, somebody clever over on MarioWiki.com has actually broken down the criteria for doing so. Bear in mind, you can get from three stars, two stars, one star, all the way down to A, B, C, D, E. Um, and there are multiple uh, facets to actually doing this based on uh, your lap time, the amount of coins you've collected, uh, the more you hit the brakes, you lower your score by hitting the brakes. Oh, really? Uh, yep. Um, you, the longer you let go of the acceleration button, you lower your score. Um, using certain items, uh, the powerful items basically lowers your score. Uh, if Lakitu picks you up, your score gets hit. Uh, if you get hit by items, uh, if you wow. use a life, uh, if you go off the track, 
So if you just play Mario Kart, you get starting, a less score. Get this, starting the race <laughs> with a boost increases the score. So yeah, ah. uh, so you have to yeah nail all that stuff as well. More doing more drift mini turbos increases the score, um, and yeah, so uh, certain characters uh, also d- depending on who you play, you get more points. Really? So uh, yeah, uh, so the least grip gets the most points. So Bowser will actually. If you could, it, it's it's like Dave Race in Wave Race all over again. If you can do Dave Mariner, <laughs> then you deserve everything you get. If, if you if you're Bowser, you can uh, you get an extra. So Yoshi gets zero points. Boost. Really? Bowser gets forty five. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then you can get points on top of that from all those other criteria wow. uh, to to end. So it's it's pretty deep and complex. What, but a, also, what a complex system! It's almost too, like the the battle Garega of Mario Kart games. <laughs> but I, I, do you reckon? I wonder if it's still this complex on the on the because this uh, this ranking system kind of became standard from what DS onwards. I always got the impression that from then onwards, it's more or less based on how many your your complete points total based on your positions uh, throughout the whole. Uh, well, yeah, whole we'll look into it when because hopefully somebody clever has possibly the same person has done this for all the games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll look into mm. it. But put it the this score, way: the score I got was one single shiny star. Yeah, same here, same here, and I would I, I never really like I like getting all the gold cups. That's nice, and that's something that that I always feel like I want to do, even if the the, the top ones can be a bit painful, but. Uh, You've got to rely on so much stuff going your mm. way, I think. Although looking yeah. at looking at these criteria, maybe it is just being about being absolutely imperious at Mario Kart. Maybe you can yeah. guarantee your score that way, but you'd have to be mm. really good. I mean, yeah, there's just too much um, variation. I agree. In the, you know, for me. Yeah. game to game. Fair enough, they have it there, and it doesn't seem to detract from the overall experience. And it's you know, fair enough, people want to maximise their Mario Kart experience. Yep. But you know, this time round, I was not really remotely interested. And actually, in most Mario Karts lately, the ranking system doesn't bother me. No. Yeah. No, the no funny thing heart. is with Mario Kart Super Circuit, this that I do feel like there's quite a a high skill ceiling relatively. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're not approaching those levels like i was uh, there's quite a bit of luck uh, involved and things really have to go your way with some some good uh some getting lucky with items uh, and the likes yeah i agree uh, this being a mario kart game there are a few glitches of note uh, not as many as the n64 game uh, which uh, maybe maybe uh, may set some kind of record but uh, <laughs> the C- there's a cpu glitch uh, to perform this glitch the player must select the rainbow road track with any character in 100 or 150 CC, when the race starts, the player must obtain a banana. At the shortcut area, the player must place a banana on the very corner of the curb leading to the shortcut. After that, the player must drive backwards until the player is between the shortcut and the other side, then park in the middle of the track. If a CPU hits the player, the CPU may hit the banana and fall off. When the CPU is put back on the track, it will drive towards the shortcut, but still falling. (laughs) Handy. Mm. Uh, on Cooper Beach 1 if the player spin drifts after the finish line then aims behind it correctly that player can perform a glitch where it could uh, could count as a lap if they shroomed behind the finish line with a hop that sounds more like the old N64 ones uh, where you can convince the game that you've finished laps that you haven't Uh, (laughs) and over on Cheese Land if the player spin drifts 270 degrees right after going behind the starting line the player could perform a glitch where the player can use a mushroom 
mushroom and hop onto a little onto a little mouser to count all three laps if successful this will work with any character so you can almost instantly complete the race if you can perform this ridiculous maneuver <laughs> uh, get trump i love stuff like that yeah. like you know former qa routes yes. like when i played ghoulies for the millionth time yeah. like you did go through a doorway and go what if i just do this this time yeah and uh, see what happens yeah uh, yeah reading that stuff rekindles a flame that is <laughs> long gone uh, multiplayer options then. So as I say, uh, Mikhail and I have virtually n- virtually no experience of this. Uh, so Darren, it's over to you. The options and yeah, how how well did it work? Do, do you have super fond memories? I think you've already mentioned it of playing either the the actual racing game or hmm. the battle mode. No, it was honestly it was all, all about the battle mode. Yeah, and you could um you could play it four way. You know, with you with three other friends. It was it was so exciting at the time to have uh, you think you could get some gba tracks on their uh, courses battle arenas sorry uh, as well mm-hmm. so you know to play those on a in four player with you know uh with people you can literally scream at it was yeah it was great playing it in back then it was kind of the the new bit there there's like an escape um snowboarding area in milton Keynes. we used to play it in there uh, religiously every weekend it was kind of you know the thing to do at the time of um of our lives and you know i kind of miss i kind of miss meeting up with people and playing games in public yeah. but you know um i can't really imagine doing it with four switches or eight switches wherever it is because that's a lot of money sitting in one place and i'd be far too paranoid to do it nowadays as a responsible parent but yeah playing the battle mode you know it felt like the snes one right. and after playing the n64 battle mode for quite a few hours to be honest it was kind of Again, it was kind of exciting to play the SNES one again. Yeah. Like I, you know, the SNES game left such an impression on me because I played it with my brothers, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast. You know, he would get me in to do the hard bits. You know, if he was on One Life on Rainbow Road, he'd get me in to do it for him. And you know, just to, as an older person at that time, you know, playing the playing the nostalgia game, but in a new shiny mm. coat was just so good. And then you flipped and flopped between Bomberman and um, the Super Mario brothers you know the the the, the mini well the the, the coin op game that was in the yeah, game yeah. boy advance games and every single one yes. you know yeah. no matter which one we there was like, oh they put that in there again all right let's play it again <laughs> and so you know sometimes one of our friends would forget the cart and it would be the yoshi version and it's kind of you have to wait a while for it to download not as long as you know it wasn't too long but it, you know, long enough for you to go oh come on you know mm. stupid childish banter but <laughs> yeah uh, overall like there's not much more to say about it other than the battle mode is you know the the SNES battle mode with nicer graphics, and uh, okay. that, that's all I was really after. It wasn't, it you know, it it was what it was what it was, and it didn't really do anything extra in my mind. Um, you know, it missed the feather, obviously. That oh was yeah, a bit of a shame. Feather. Mm. And that, that kind of only returned recently with 8DX. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, but otherwise, brilliant. Like the the GBA as a multiplayer system did go beyond this little group as well. I remember playing like Advance Wars on a coach with my friend will and you know i the gba for me is was a lot more of a social system than i kind of remember mm. and you know looking back at it now i think yeah actually i did carry that thing around with me quite a lot and i did have many link cables for four swords and all sorts of good oh, times yeah, yeah. crystal chronicles gba was a good time for social Batman versus yeah yeah oh oh man the gba is brilliant isn't it? <laughs> uh but yes for younger listeners uh you were physically attached to your three friends by a, a cable which was uh 
joined in the middle, effectively. So a four-way link cable that's yeah. got a hub and it's got four wires coming off of it and you stick them uh, in the back and, and you are tethered. And it's not very long, so you all look like... Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, like socially awkward. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like weird. Like you've got four people staring down at the floor. Like, a, yeah, like a huddle in a rugby, yeah. but kind of all tethered together slightly. Mm. So you can't really move. You can't really get too excited yeah. because you do the old micro machines J-cart and kind of ruin it for everyone if you get a bit too excited. Yeah. And we, um, we, were, we were literally only, uh, so when this came out and when you were playing it, so 2001, we were only three, four years away from the DS, DS's Wi-Fi, mm. weren't we? So, or wireless play, so. Uh, this was the last, the very last knockings, really, of kind of wired gaming in that respect, wasn't it? But I really appreciated like Nintendo's attempt at linking the two together between that and the GameCube as well. I know this isn't that show, but like Tingle in Wind Waker and Animal Crossing, and oh, I had an e- had an e-reader. I'm just gushing over the GBA now, but yeah, um, I really liked um, Super Circuit and um, and its battle mode. Kind like, of a shame it, there was it, no link up between this and Double Dash, even though Double Dash came a couple of years later. Yeah, um, yeah, I never really thought about that, but um, it seemed like that that would be a given. But yeah, um, who knows? Maybe it was at one point. Uh, I, I haven't really done. I love Mario Kart time trialing. It's probably my favourite racing game to do time trialing in. I don't. I think it all goes back to that N sixty four magazine competition with Mario Circuit and trying to do the three glitched uh, laps in a row. Um, but I still love whenever I get a new copy of any of the old Mario Karts on on a new format. I always like to do some time trialing. Darren and I had a, a, a real to and fro on one of the original Super Nintendo courses years ago on hmm. the Wii U version when it came out on that, I think. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah um, I've, I've been there as well uh, via Mario Kart DS. Right. Yeah. And um, and this one I haven't really spent much time on, but actually I'm thinking like there's no real reason to do it because there's no way other than posting them on a forum or, or whatever. And I don't know what the scene for this game is, but I feel like... <laughs> It, I would enjoy time trialing it because I feel there's so much, uh, you know, so so many good circuits and so much of so much of the handling to learn. And I think it would be interesting seeing whether you could get the best times out of Bowser or whether you could actually, you know, whether Toad's the way to go because he's the nimblest and the fastest. Or um, if there was a way of if if they released this on the Switch, say, and and did the you know brought all the modern bits and bobs in like online leaderboards and stuff, I, I would absolutely buy it again and, and play this stuff couple of bits of trivia, a couple of more bits of trivia, I should say. Uh, this is one of the last few games next to Mario Party 3 and to an extent Super Smash Brothers Melee to have the Mario franchise use its N64 era art direction, uh, which had been in place since Super Mario 64 in 1996. Uh, yes, I mean, that's kind of I think it's not quite that clear cut, is it? Because it sort of mm. it it changes over time and also it changes when whether it's uh, Hudson doing it in Mario Party or how labs using it or or intelligent systems in this case. And you can see it like if you hold your box of Ra- uh, Mario plus Rabbids up next to your Super Mario Odyssey box. That Mario is not the same Mario. I mean, it, it, it's clearly a different mm. art design. So these things don't it's not like there's a cutoff point in my mind but i i do see where they're coming from i think there was a certain there was a certain look at this time that perhaps uh, got left behind in the early early 2000s as, the, as they headed toward the mid 2000s yeah it's not as clear cut as say sonic you know where oh, we had a clear yeah. jump from with adventure to three. Yeah. yeah it's a lot yeah. more yeah. subtle yeah we got a lot of um, uh, at NOE we had a lot of directives of how to use the mario 3d modeled character and there really was a single 
model for it and you know the his okay. uh, his scales and dimensions and what yes. kind of positions you could put him and whatnot and uh, yes yeah, it's quite interesting mm. yeah yes lest we forget uh, we have a former nintendo employee here i don't think we've even mentioned that but uh Mikhail worked for Nintendo in Europe for a while. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the 3D models there. Of course, we should say this is the second game in the series to have a credit to Rare uh, because, once again, they provided the 3D model of Donkey Kong, Nintendo's yeah. own character, <laughs> to to Nintendo or to Intelligent Systems. I got Systems. that, yeah, in the, mm. uh, in the credits yeah. at the end. <laughs> Probably the very same model that was scanned or whatever to to appear in the N64 but as you say perhaps with now with more frames of animation I don't know uh, and remember the e-reader Darren had one I this do. game oh you've got one uh, this game was going to make use of that <laughs> at one point according to the European website for the game however the section of the site intended to provide details on the e-cards has nothing more than a coming soon notice sad face and it never came it never came no, the e-reader was was an odd thing. We've probably mentioned it on other podcasts, possibly our Animal Crossing podcast, which was probably the game that came closest to using mm. it to its fullest extent. Yeah, I think that's that and Super Mario Advance. Well, Super Mario Brothers three, which is Super Mario Advance okay. four, you can get unlock some uh, extra levels, right? Like them that weren't in the original game. Uh, but you know, you can unlock them now by emulation and. Game Shark codes or whatever they do in emulators, but yeah, uh, yeah, the e-readers, you know, it was a um, very barcode battler esque. I guess mm. it was kind of very similar thing. I had to import loads of cards from, yeah. you know, um, well, other countries basically, and yeah, and I'd never really used it that much because I, I don't know why I, I buy these Nintendo things and I never really turn them on. I just go, oh, that's a nice novelty. See you later. And then in like, well, twenty years time, or whatever, I have a look on eBay and go, yep, that's going up in price and. Hopefully Imagine if you can make... put those Amiibo cards that you can get into your e-reader. See, now we're talking. <laughs> I'm excited again. Where is it? Did you do you actually remember this being potentially a thing for this game that we're talking about? No, I never oh, realised okay. it was uh, a thing. I, I imagine Nintendo have a lot of plans for a lot of their games, and they seem to, you know, yeah. drop a lot of features and mm. yeah, and move on with their lives. In uh, inevitable vitality sensor gag insert here, right? Mm-hmm. Simon Sloth from the forum. Our last uh, long-form contributor for this podcast says, I'm a latecomer to every Nintendo console that has ever existed. I only recently bought a Wii U and a DS. I never owned a SNES until the SNES Mini, and Game Boy aside, I was usually a generation or two behind in picking up their consoles. I've never owned a GBA, so never had the ability to play Super Circuit until 2018. I also have never really been a diehard Mario Kart fan. The series is arguably one of the quintessential couch multiplayer games, but I was always late in buying the console so everyone had moved on. For these reasons, I have predominantly played most Mario Kart games solo, which I'm sure has skewed my opinion of each iteration uniquely compared to those who have sampled in the multiplayer delights. Super Circuit is one of the best single-player Mario Kart experiences I have played to date. I think one of its main strengths is that it feels less unfair than other entries. Classic Mario Kart strategy for me has always been to race mediocrely, then pip the leader to the finish line as they are inevitably pounded by weapons on the home stretch. In this game, I felt I was rewarded far more often for racing well and could seldom rely on those ahead of me faltering or being bombarded at the 11th hour. It made for a far more enjoyable time. I'm glad I got the chance to play this and feel it is one of the best Mario Kart experiences I have ever had, which is made all the more fun given it's portable to boot. There you go. Hmm. A recent perspective and a positive Hmm. one. Uh, We only had a smattering of three word reviews, but here they are. 
And there's three of us. Uh, Camille Rousseau says, simplistic, iterative fun. Cosimod says, early series peak. And the King Rocker says, link cable lifestyle. I like that. So to summarise, I wasn't sure which order to go in, but I'll go first to say uh, I can completely understand that probably the vast majority of folks listening to this podcast, I know we, you know, we attract some uh, some people with some very uh, you know uh, eclectic tastes and uh, interesting sort of methodologies of playing games and stuff like that. But I think for a lot of a lot of listeners to this, uh, like us, really, it's something of an exercise in going back and looking at where the series was and the history of the development. To actually play it now, it's a really hard sell because on modern hardware, you can't really play it multiplayer. Um, and it's up against, I mean, even if you've got a DS, you've got the choice of uh, Mario Kart DS or Mario Kart 7. And if you've got a Wii U or a Switch, you've got the option of you know Mario Kart 8 DX, uh, which kind of do a lot of the stuff that this game does and a lot more and it looks amazing as well <laughs> and it's easy to play multiplayer and all that stuff but i like mario kart super circuit i wouldn't say i'm in love with it uh but i had fun with it uh, i think actually some of the courses are less frustrating than the super nintendo courses uh, there's a bit more racing going on and a bit less kind of being bumped about and knocked off the track and uh getting stuck behind annoying obstacles and stuff so so i appreciate it for that uh, it's got some of the extra bells and whistles of the N64 game, which I am a big fan of, even though uh, I know not everyone feels the same way about that one. Um, but uh, so you've got some speech samples and some uh, you've got the power ups that actually hover above the track and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think this one this one still does feel slightly outside of the main series to me just because it's by a second party developer uh, an indie developer called intelligent systems who only makes games for nintendo but uh, but there it is it's their their one and only racing game and i think they did a rather good job and uh, i shall absolutely keep hold of my wii u version of this as part of the mario kart collection that i that i maintain and i may even dip in from time to time to uh, set some time trial records just purely for my own amusement so there it is uh, not an essential don't necessarily even suggest that you immediately go and download it for your wii u for seven quid or whatever it costs but if you ever come across a chance of playing it in a you know at some kind of retro gaming event as a four-player game then absolutely do even though i've never had the chance to do that uh darren talking about playing the battle mode and whatever makes me think that um it might be fun uh you know even away from the uh the delights the temptation of the more modern versions so yeah it's cool uh Mikhail. yeah uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit, uh, after the bitter disappointment for me of Mario Kart 64, Mario Kart Super Circuit was not the game that redeemed the Mario Kart series for me, simply because I only got to play it much later when I uh, yeah, uh, got it for, for the 3DS uh, Ambassador program. But I like to imagine that it might have been uh, the game that uh, uh, would have uh, put me back on the series again, because everything that I experience of it i've kind of really like oh well maybe not everything there was a lot of heart raging trying to clear the 150 cc cups uh before the podcast deadline uh but yeah it's it's the game is by all means an oddity in the series as, as a whole especially now when you place it uh, among the other games that came after it and the, the two that came before it 
but I kind of like it slash love it for being an oddity and its own little unique thing. I'm very thankful I've had an excuse to to spend more time with it and uh, learn more about its intricacies. Mm-hmm. I not too salty that I never got to play it in a multiplayer setting because even if I would have had a GBA back in the days and this card, I imagine that uh, you know those multiplayer settings would be quite rare for me. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to think I don't I'm I didn't miss out on too much for playing the. Uh, version that's completely gimped off a multiplayer yeah yeah and so i'm, I'm really happy i uh, got to spend more time f- uh, with it and and learned more about its particular handling that's maybe a little bit more like a traditional racer than the rest of the mario kart series is mm. in uh or, or more i wouldn't say a sim racer but it has more of those those trappings of where you have to be more strategic of how you handle your car around the track and yeah it's uh I don't know if you if you have the means to play it uh, i would say give it a whirl maybe not invest your whole life into becoming a pro Mar- mario kart super circuit uh, player but uh, yeah <laughs> definitely give it a whirl yeah talk about niches yeah well i was, I was gonna say you know because obviously you're saying how many hours you'd put into it i was gonna say oh thank you for dedicating your time to it and i still do but but it's, it's great to hear that you actually uh despite some of the hair tearing as with all mario karts you had a good time so yeah yeah it's like i said i feel like i maybe ju- Probably jumped in too early after clearing the 50cc and 100cc cups. I jumped in too early on 150cc, expecting yeah. that I would breeze through it, maybe with a little bit of hiccups here and there, but I wasn't prepared for just how challenging it would be, uh, considering that it does take more track memorization and getting a grip on the particular handling of the game. Mm. All right, so let's conclude with uh, the he who goes all the way back to the beginning with Super Circuit, Darren. Hmm. Yeah, so when this game first came out, I was over the moon with it. You know, it's got Super in the title for a reason. It kind of was Super Mario Kart 2 in my head and maybe a lot of other people's heads as well. And I was just, you know, head over heels. You know, I had nostalgia for Super Circuit like I did for the SNES 1 after all the years of it being out. And then, you know, Mario Kart kind of got better. It got got a bit worse and it kind of got better, in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, 8DX came out and that's kind of how Mario Kart was in my head. So to go back to it... It was a really hard hurdle to get over and I found myself struggling with, the, you know, like I said earlier, with the turn-in and just, just the general moment-to-moment gameplay of Mario Kart Super Circuit was, yeah, it was challenging. But one that I over, you know, it, I overcome this, uh, overcame this this challenge and I ended up really enjoying it again. And it really reminded me of the Super NES days again of, you know, the, the Rainbow Road, heart-beating, you know, edge-of-the-road kind of <laughs> adrenaline. It was just, it was there all, all over again and... Um, I really, really appreciated the fact that this game could kind of remind me, you know, just how good hard games can be. Because mm. I do find this game really hard. And once you nail the, yeah, once you've done, well, once you nail the handling and the trap memorization and all kind of the things that you did on the SNES days, this game does become a, a joy. Um, but then that maybe conflicts with the, the series kind of new um, MO. In that you know the, nowadays it's kind of more like, like we said power slide heavy you know more of a party game more than more of a racing game mm. but then on the flip side that's kind of why i really enjoyed this game because it was it was proper racing at points and that's kind of why i really really enjoyed it can i recommend it now in 2018 with all the bells and whistles of modern gaming um yeah I, i'd say if you've got it on your 3ds or if you've got a wii u um 
pick it up, I reckon, if you, especially if you like the SNES game and you haven't really gelled with the series after that because you will find a lot of nostalgia here, um, literally in the game and also kind of, you know, otherwise uh, nostalgia based on, you know, it's not Mode 7 in this game, but it kind of looks like Mode 7 and then there is the literal nostalgia of the tracks being there from the SNES mm. days. Uh, overall, uh, a very positive experience again and I'm so glad we, uh, oh. we've covered it for this podcast. It's the feel-good mm. show of the year. Nice. (laughs) So it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren and Mikheil, as well as our correspondents, Editor Jay, and to all of you for listening. And remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast and all the other podcasts that we put out, sometimes more than one a week even, uh, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever you can get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and so on and so forth. Best of all, though, support our ongoing endeavours at patreon.com slash Rinse. Uh, get every new issue of the podcast one week earlier, as well as an exclusive monthly cast. And you get our amazing Genesis Mega Drive Kana Rinse issue, which is currently Patreon exclusive until the end of September. You can hear it right now. Just head over to patreon.com slash Kana Rinse and uh, donate a dollar a month. That's all it is. 75p or thereabouts a month. And it really does help us. Thank you for that. Next time, in issue 328, Jonathan blows hard, Tim dies hard, but still, there ain't no point to the game. Braid. <laughs>